We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 242. Our guest today is an Australian jockey who is based in Hong Kong. He has some impressive stats. Check this out. He has eight wins in the past 10 race days. For stakes one, he is over $157 million, 112 wins, 82 seconds, 77 thirds, 54 fourths, 547 total rides. And that's just in this last 2021 to 2022 season. He is a part of the Hong Kong Jockey Club, which is arguably one of the most competitive clubs and locations for racing in the world. So without further ado, I am so excited to welcome our guest today, Zach Purton. Tell me a little bit about how you first kind of found yourself in the equestrian world. From as long as I can remember, I always loved horses. I've got photos of myself as a baby before I could even walk, laying on the back of a horse. Um, so I had that affinity all throughout my whole life. Um, I remember, obviously, I was born in Australia and, and spent uh, most of my time growing up there. But when we were seven years old, when I was seven years old, we moved into uh, New Zealand for five years. And all I remember when I was over there was that whenever I had a friend that had a horse um, at their house, I would always be pushing my parents to go and see those uh, friends of theirs or friends of mine so that I could go and ride their horse or just be around the horses. Um, and then later on, uh, we moved back to Australia when I was 12. Uh, when I was 14, I decided I want, wanted to be a jockey. So uh, I went to uh, an apprentice um, seminar. I was the smallest and lightest kid there. They asked me if I wanted to be a jockey, which I did. That's, that's obviously why I was there. Uh, and they placed me with the trainer. So from the age of 14 and a half, I then had to learn how to ride the thoroughbreds, which are, which are different to uh, obviously the, the Welsh Mountain and, and Shetland ponies I had been riding as a kid. And, um, you know, then I was starting to get some lessons on an Arab uh, and they're quite flighty, uh, as we know. So I had to learn to hang on for dear life there. Yeah. Uh, and then progress to the thoroughbreds. So from the age of 14 and a half, I, I started to throw my leg over the thoroughbreds and um, take it from there. So you've been in Hong Kong since 2007. How did you end up like specifically based there? And what was the appeal of Hong Kong in terms of racing? Yeah. So when I first started riding, there was a jockey in Australia called Corey Brown. I loved his style. Um, I liked the way he rode and uh, he came to Hong Kong to ride. So obviously uh, I was tuning in on a Sunday to watch him ride and that's where my interest for Hong Kong racing started. But then uh, what I found was uh, all the best jockeys from around the world wanted to go to Hong Kong. It was like the mecca uh, of world racing and as, as it still is uh, today. Um, so as I got more experience uh, and got more confident, um, the hunger and the drive to want to come to Hong Kong um, started to burn uh, inside me and then I was given the opportunity to come here and uh, you know it's not an easy place to start out uh, I come here I didn't know anyone I had no support I didn't know any trainers any owners so I really had to work hard for 
for everything I got, um, as I still do. But, uh, you know, I, I've been here a, a lot longer now and um, things are obviously a lot easier than when I first arrived. You've had a lot of success over your 20-year career now. You just recently celebrated your 1400th Hong Kong win. Congratulations. Thank you. How do you remain how do you remain so competitive? Obviously, the amount of horses that you've been on and, you know, as new ones come up, new jockeys, new competition, how do you kind of stay towards the top and what are what are some of the keys that you feel like you're to to keep yourself up there? You know, I suppose it's a good question. Um, Hong Kong is always evolving, always changing. We only have 21 to 23 jockeys on the roster here at any one time and uh, nine or ten of those are Western jockeys or jockeys from around the world and the other jockeys are local. So just to be able to hold your position in Hong Kong is really, really difficult. Uh, you have to continue to try and succeed and try and do as well as you can. Um, at the end of the day, I'm competitive. Uh, I'm a sportsman. I, I like to win. You know, it's uh, you, you don't get any, nothing is given to you here in Hong Kong. You have to work extremely hard for everything you get. You can never rest on your laurels. You've always got to be hungry. Always got to be chasing the next ride, chasing the next winner. Um, continue to network as much as you can. But for me, it's uh, it's just the satisfaction of winning. I just like to win. I, I like to get uh, good results. I like to ride good horses. Uh, I suppose as as everyone does, but. You know, I, I just work hard and and um, I never rest on my laurels. Uh, what I've done yesterday or, or previously uh, is in the past and I'm always looking to the future. You've mentioned in previous interviews that the Hong Kong racing fans can be really tough. Um, how do you deal with that kind of pressure and stay focused on your goal and not, not really let the external pressures influence your performance? Yeah, it's a good question because that is, is one of the harsh realities of being a jockey here um, and a lot of jockeys uh, can't seem to uh, handle that. They It, effect, it does affect them and, and, and mentally it wears them down and, and then they've just got to get out and leave. But for whatever reason, uh, I enjoy the pressure. I don't mind criticism. You know, I think everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Uh, I believe uh, in what I do. I, I do my homework. Um, it's, it's basically just about plotting, playing, playing a game of chess is basically what a race is like. So once the barriers come out, then I need to study the form of my horse, try and work out how he likes to race best, whether he's quick from the gate, likes to lead or race near the front, whether he wants to be left alone early and ridden quiet, whether he likes to be ridden inside for luck or come out for more galloping room. Um, and then I have to study the other runners in the race, how much speed they've got, uh, whether they like to race forward or back, similar things. And then uh, I've got to work out whether they might have a tendency to hang in or hang out, which might present runs or opportunities uh, throughout the race, especially in the straight. Um, and then I have to, have to formulate a plan. So um, on, a, on a certain horse, I might want to get a good start, get a good position, um, and then and then wait for the straight, or I might want to take off 600, 800 from so it's just about doing doing your form, believing in yourself. Um, uh, and I, like I said, I, I, the external pressure or criticism um, doesn't really affect me because I, I just go out to execute my game plan. And if I execute my game plan and it doesn't work, well, so be it. I've, I've done what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I'd rather live and die 
by my own decisions uh, instead of being be influenced by someone else. Although, um, as as you would be aware, the trainer and uh, owner have quite a bit of influence here in Hong Kong, uh, mm-hmm. as they do in other parts in the world, but probably more so here in Hong Kong. So, I need to be guided by uh, how they would like me to ride the horse. Um, so, I need to negotiate, if you'd like, uh, the terms on how we're going to be able to, to tackle that exact race. Yeah. And then, like I said, I've just got to execute. Um, and if I if I execute and get it wrong, well, so be it. Uh, if I make a mistake, well, you know, you can't get it right all the time. You, you can't dwell on it. Um, of course, it hurts. And, uh, and I know I've made a mistake uh, and I'll try not to make it again the next time. But, you know, as, as a sportsman uh, in any, any sport, uh, inevitably, you do get things wrong, and uh, it's just part and parcel of it. Hong Kong has obviously been under very strict COVID regulations over the past couple of years. How has this affected the sport, um, kind of specifically for you as a jockey? What what has it been like for you? Sure, it's been very tough for us. Not only have we had the restrictions that the government um, has has placed on the general population here in Hong Kong. But the jockey club here has gone over and, and beyond um, what the the general population had been asked to do, and, and we were basically um, during certain periods of time locked down and confined to to our um, apartment building and, and where we live um, here at Shatin. We live on the race course. The jockey club uh, has three sets of apartments that the majority of the jockeys, trainers, um, and other staff members live in. Uh, and we have a security uh, gate um, downstairs at the front and we're surrounded by some chicken wire fence and basically attached to the race course. So we're in our own little bubble here and they didn't want us to mix with the, uh, the general population. Um, so we, we got tested for COVID every day. We, like I said, we weren't allowed to mix households even, even though we're, we're in the same bubble and we're all getting tested and wow. we work together at the track. Uh, we weren't allowed to go to each other's households, um, which was hard for the kids because obviously they don't quite understand um, what we're going through. And, and, and as good as they were, we are, we do have a play area downstairs. So the kids were allowed to go and play downstairs, but we, we had to try and restrict uh, the interaction that we had as much as we could. So from the beginning of um, COVID, uh, first arrived in Hong Kong. So we've gone through five waves of it here now. Um, and, you know, when, when the waves are at their peak um, is when we've been locked down the hardest and, and it has been hard, like, from, from January this year until uh, just last week we've, um, we've had it tough. We've, we've been in that jail-like scenario. So it hasn't been easy. Uh, fortunately, racing has continued. We haven't lost a single race meeting, which is fantastic. Um, and as you might be aware, the Jockey Club is the, the single biggest taxpayer to the Hong Kong government um, wow. and gives uh, huge amounts of money, billions of dollars away to charity um, and um, the community every year. So it's important that we continue continue to race to be able to give the, the tax and charities um, to the government and the community. Um, so we had to sacrifice for that to happen, but, but also for ourselves, obviously, we wanted to continue to do what we were doing. 
Speaking of sacrifice, obviously being so accomplished in racing must also come with a lot of sacrifices in order to stay as focused as you are. What would you say is the hardest part about being a jockey for you? For sure is the dehydration um, and and the wasting, the uh, you know, strict diet that we are on most of the time. Uh, obviously, we try and enjoy ourselves where we can, but most of the time we're on a very strict diet. And, and then as you get to the race day, you know, for me especially, the day before um, and the morning of, you know, losing the last few pounds, you know, three, four, five, six, seven pounds um, in fluid to make uh, the weight at the races that day. And it's unlike other sports, uh, you know, boxers, MMA fighters, uh, not MMA, but boxers, they, they uh, have to cut weight, of course, as well. But once they weigh in the day before, they can then go and eat and rehydrate right. and prepare for the fight. But for us, we need to keep that fighting weight, um, if you want to call it, uh, and maintain that for the whole day. So we're probably physically at our, in some respects at our worst um, when we need to go and compete and make split-second decisions um, in the heat of the battle. So the dehydration is, is the worst. The, the hunger you can sort of get through a little bit, but, you know, I, I, I do appreciate it when I can have a large glass of water. So it's, uh, it's like heaven. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people, especially maybe how jockeys have been like depicted in movies or entertainment or things like that. I I feel like that's always a big topic of conversation of just what you can eat and can't eat. But I, I haven't really ever thought about the fact of water and the dehydration being so real. Yeah. And then you have the, uh, the longer term health effects as well. I, I did a, a DEXA test uh, recently and and some other tests as well. And unfortunately, my bones are, are that brittle. Uh, you know, I'm 39 years old now and already I have the bones of a 65-year-old because wow. of that deep and then a lack of proper nutrient uh, in my body. So I'm taking a few things now to try and balance that back out and hopefully catch up a little bit more in time. But I, I consciously try and drink more water now and and um, take some medications to, to try and make my body a little bit healthier. But, you know, they're just some of the things that, uh, you know, I, I suppose in some way you you, you got to uh, accept uh, in the, you know, the job that we're in. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's not great when you hear those types of things. How would you say the overall mentality towards health and fitness for jockeys is, I guess, over by you? Do you feel like it's changed a lot over the course of your career? Oh, for sure. Yeah, a, a lot. And even more so in recent times, I sort of probably can't speak about what might be happening in, in the US or the sure. UK or Australia, but just here in Hong Kong, um, we now have um, some sports uh, institutes involved and some dietitians and psychologists and uh, and that's why we're getting all these these tests. Uh, we have a good relationship with a private hospital here. So whenever we need any tests, or even if I need an MRI or a CT scan, I just I can ring up and, and just get it straight away, just get booked in. So the overall health and well-being and, and management of our bodies is has, uh, has become a lot clearer for us. And that's why we've had these the, the DEXA tests and and, you know, a number of other tests as well. Um, every, every 
year, we have to do a, a proper physical. So you do your heart rate, you do the x-rays, you do your chests, um, blood tests, all, all those types of things, which which are good and, and, and important because I think it's important to, to know how your body is being affected and try to correct the, um, the, the, the poor state our body might be in as, as quick as we can. So, you know, I, I just wish I was able to take all these tests 10 or 15 years ago and be made aware of it then. And uh, I'm sure I'd be in a, a much better state than what I am now. But, you know, I'm like I say, I'm, I'm not going to fall over tomorrow and, and, uh, and that's it. You know, I, overall I'm, I'm a fairly healthy person. It's just, um, you know, the, the stress and rigors that we go through to, to be able to compete, um, certainly as I get older, uh, it's going to make my life a little bit more difficult, I think. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk a little bit about the horses. Like overall in general, how uh, the, the jockey horse relationship is that, like, tell me a little bit about what that's like. Are most jockeys like come into the sport, like already have with a horse background? Like, do they have a love for horses? Is it more about the competition? Give me kind of the rundown with that dynamic. Yeah, I think everywhere is different. Um, here in Hong Kong, uh, there aren't really any farms. You know, there's, there are no free horses just to, sure. to jump anywhere. There are, there are some riding schools. And if a, a kid has an interest in, in the horses, they, they can try and get into one of the riding schools. But, for instance, um, my kids uh, now ride. They're five and seven. And we have them in a one riding school here. And for whatever reason, we had to cancel uh, two weeks in a row. And the riding school got really upset with, with us for doing that and basically uh, explained that they had a, a waiting list of 70 kids wow. wanting to that class that, that my kids we're in and obviously it's affecting their business if if we couldn't continue to make it so you know that's just one riding school and there are many riding schools with big waiting lists here so it's not as easy as just saying I want to ride a horse and, and being able to do so and a lot of the kids here every year in Hong Kong they have um like a an induction um day where where anyone can turn up and express their interest and then the jockey club will, will obviously um measure their height and their weight uh, and do a few tests, physical tests, and if they think they're okay, they'll take them in, and then they sponsor them. So they have a dormitory here where they uh, teach them how to ride, they teach them horse management, they teach them life skills, they teach them um, how to physically train, all those types of things. And, and then once they get them to a certain point where they've had a few barrier trials, they'll then send them overseas. So they might go to New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, um, and get their, their early learning experience riding overseas until if they're good enough, uh, they can then come back and ride in Hong Kong. But in Australia, uh, it's much easier if you want to ride a horse and you can, just, you can go anywhere. There, there are horses everywhere. So it's very easy to get your leg over a horse and, and um, you know, try and get that early uh, experience, see if you, you enjoy it, like it. You might, you might not if you're good at it, if you're confident. Obviously, confidence is a big thing. Like, horses are, are flighty animals. They can be hard to control at times. Um, sometimes a young child or, or anyone, for that matter, might get scared or, or lose their nerve, um, as we say, and, and, and then not want to continue to pursue that. But then, um, you know, in Australia, it's, it's, it's a lot easier. You just go and knock on a trainer's door uh, and ask them if they want to take you on as, as an apprentice. And, you know, there's thousands of trainers in Australia. So... You know, it's, it's very easy to get into a stable 
there, unlike here where it's it's obviously a lot harder. Obviously, you have worked with lots of horses. Um, do you have any that kind of stick out in your mind as um, really having a good connection to, or are, do you tend to have like a specific type of horse that you prefer to race on? The type I like are the ones that win often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they make it more fun and more easy. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I enjoy riding sprinters. I enjoy riding horses that have good gate speed and like to take a good position. But I also like uh, riding horses that run over a longer distance. And I like horses that settle back in the field and you can weave your way through and, and it can be quite exciting and exhilarating. So as far as having having a type, I don't really have a type. Um, and here we don't have a long association with the horse. Like the horses at the top level, the group one races, that mm-hmm. win all the biggest races, of course you ride them on a more regular basis but the horses that are in the class races um and our class races here go from our, our lowest grade is class five then we go four three two one and then you're up to group three group two group one so the horses in the class races when they're out of form they'll they could drop down from class two to class three to class four to class five until they're in a position where they're handicapped well enough to be able to win again um so when they're dropping down and they're out of form of course i, I don't want to ride them and when they're on the other side, when they're in form and they might be going up uh, in class, but winning when they're doing it, uh, I'd prefer to stay on them a little bit more regularly. But I might only ride a horse for one, two, maybe three starts, then I I get off it and ride another mm. horse. So my association with with horses here they don't really last that long. In a given season, how many horses are you competing on? Yeah, I think on average I, I probably ride about 550 horses per year. Wow. I, I have 550 rides per year, so obviously some of those rides will be on the same horse sure. a, a few times. Yeah, that's uh, it's here in Hong Kong. We, we only have 88 race meetings a year um, and we have generally we have 10 races on a Sunday and eight races on a Wednesday, so whatever that total number is, I'm not sure, but um it, it does limit the amount of rides you can have and, and that's one of the reasons I enjoy riding here in Hong Kong because I think the workload is not as heavy, um, say, as, as Europe or uh, America where, and Australia and you can race every day in Australia if you want um, wow. and, and you have to travel sometimes long distances to ride at those meetings. You might have to get on a plane to go somewhere. Um, you know, it could be two to three, maybe four hours in the car, um, whereas... I live on the race course here at Sha Tin and Happy Valley is only a 15-minute drive away, so I don't have to go far. Yeah, that's so nice. I feel like that's definitely a perk to being in Hong Kong because I, I know especially in the U.S., for many of the equestrian disciplines, I mean, you're you're traveling like 40-plus weeks of the year. Yeah, it makes it tough. I call myself a part-time jockey these days because obviously <laughs> I race Wednesday night and Sunday. <laughs> I love it. That's great. I don't know about you, but I think I spend more time focusing on my animals' nutrition than my own. Since 1985, with roots dating back to 1842, Mana Pro has been committed to providing high-quality, nutritionally wholesome feeds, supplements, and treats for your animals. As a company comprised of animal lovers just like us, Mana Pro understands the desire to provide your animals with the very best. Their passion is happy, healthy pets, and they are the trusted 
trusted partner in providing just that. If you haven't checked out ManaPro before, make sure you do. Their website is manapro.com, M-A-N-N-A-P-R-O.com. I get all of my treats there. My horses absolutely love them, but they have other stuff for other animals, not just for horses. So make sure you go check them out. They are absolutely incredible. So thank you so much, ManaPro. All right, let's get back to the episode. As far as looking at kind of the rest of your career, like obviously you've accomplished so much. Is there anything that's kind of left on your racing bucket list? Yeah, well, there's there's one big race in Australia called the Melbourne Cup, which we say stops the nation. So the first Tuesday in November every year, I would say, you know, maybe 80% of people in Australia will, will stop. Um, and Victoria, that state, has a half-day workday so that everyone can go to their local pub or club or get to the race course or yeah. uh, tune in to watch it. Um, and it's uh, it's our or, or Australia's most well-known race globally. Horses from all over the world go to race in it. Unfortunately, I moved to Hong Kong quite early in my career, so I hadn't established myself well enough to be given the good chances to be able to win that race. And now being up here, it's very hard for me to get the right horse for it because a horse from Europe, might be going there or if a horse in Australia, they sometimes want you to ride the horse in the lead-ups, which I'm not able to do. So uh, it's tough. Uh, the last two rides I had in the race, I, I run third and fourth, so I was getting closer. But, um, yeah, it's probably looking a little bit unlikely that I'm going to win it, but if, if I could pick one, that would be it. Nice. As far as your career is there like a certain like timeline do people tend to retire around a certain age or where where do you kind of see yourself as far as ending your racing career yes so unfortunately a lot of jockeys don't get the choice of when they they want to end you know a lot of the time it's through injury um they've had a bad fall and you know they're not able to continue to do what they want to do sometimes as you get older, you're viewed as a veteran and then you start to lose opportunities, so the dry, rides dry up and then the younger jockeys coming through seem to get the support. But I, I would say on average a jockey uh, would retire around about 45 years of age. Some might ride until they're 50 or if they're really lucky might go a little bit beyond. A fair few might retire the sort of late 30s, uh, 40s, but 45 would probably be the average age. Whether I get to 45 is debatable. I don't think I will. And there are a few reasons for that. One, you know, I've been successful. So, you know, financially I'm, I'm okay. I'm, mm-hmm. But I, uh, if I want to stop, I can stop. So that's, uh, that makes things easier. Um, but secondly, I, I think the earlier I can retire and start looking after my body a little bit better, um, and, and instead of wearing it out even more, then I may be able to enjoy my later life a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, I can't see myself still being in the saddle at 45. Got it. When you are, let's see, look like kind of looking back at your career, is there a specific race or two that really kind of stick out in your head as being monumental moments of your career? Yeah, there, there are sort of four races that uh, I think stand out above the others, but one that was a bit of a turning point was uh, when I won on Little Bridge at, at Royal Ascot. He's the only Hong Kong trained horse to win 
at the Royal Ascot meeting um, and he was a horse that I, I just started to win a couple of big races on. So he gave me the opportunity to then start getting more regular chances in, in the bigger races and he, he sort of took me from, I was riding a lot of winners at the time, but I, I wasn't able to secure the rides on the best horses because the other jockeys with the perceived big race experience and, and record always seemed to come in and be able to take uh, the ride off me uh, in those races. So he, he helped elevate me to being able to hold those, those rides in those bigger races. What would you say is an area of the horse industry that you are very passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community, racing community, general public in general, uh, either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? Uh, I think it would be the care of the horses. Like we're, we have a massive veterinary team here, you know, it's, it's, and the clinic, it's like walking into a private hospital. They've got all the latest equipment. Um, and the horses get unbelievable care. They get fed every day. They get walked. They get swum. They get worked, trot and canner, um, gallop. Um, you know, they're brushed down every day. They are, they are looked after and doted on like they're, they're human beings and, and pets. And I think people um, can sometimes forget how much attention and love that that the horse has. You got to remember, people are working with horses. I believe because they they love the animal uh, first and foremost. The, you know, you're not gonna put yourself in the vicinity of, of a horse that's that big and that strong um, if if you don't love the animal. So I think there's a lot of care that goes into looking after and maintaining them that the the general public uh, are not that that aware of. As far as injury, what would you say is the most common injury you see racing, um, both with jockeys and with the horses? Uh, with the horses, I would say probably a tendon might be their most common injury. You know, they, they weigh 500 plus kilograms, 600, um, and they're on four skinny legs and galloping along at a fast speed. It's, you know, it's very easy to Step in, step in a little bit of a hole or twist mm -hmm. leg or get off balance. So ten, tendons um, seem to get pulled and tweaked and uh, quite often. Uh, as for jockeys, you know, you, you get hurt when you fall, right? <laughs> the horses run over you, you're going to 60, 70k an hour. You, you know, if, if anyone's ever felt a horse's hoof, it's basically like an iron crowbar um, as are their legs. So if you're going at 60k an hour and you're getting hit, with an iron crowbar, something's going to break. Um, normally when you fall, some some quite often a jockey might put their arm out uh, and they pop their collarbone. So a collarbone, a wrist, um, they're probably the most common injuries. Um, so, uh, you know, they're, they're manageable, they're fixable, uh, thankfully. Uh, you probably you don't want the, uh, the more severe head and uh, yeah. internal injuries that, that can sometimes come with it. Have you had quite a bit of bad falls and broken bones? Yeah, so I, unfortunately I, I had a quite a bad fall in December uh, not long ago and I'm still recovering from that uh, to a certain extent. So the horse in front of me broke both his front legs and, and went down and I went over him and then two other horses went over both of us. So four horses come down uh, 
two horses were, were one horse was put down, one horse will never race again. He basically fractured his, his knee in half. Uh, and the two horses were put down actually, and one horse will never race again. And the other horse had to have quite a period of time off. He he was able to stay on his feet, but he tore all his uh, hindquarters and and uh, need some time. But in that fall, I ended up with five fractures in my foot. Uh, a fractured wrist, a fractured nose, six fractured ribs, and um, a few days later, because one, because of one of the fractures in the ribs, I ended up popping it completely. So, you know, they've taken time to heal. Uh, my wrist only just got re-x-rayed last week, and it, it's now sort of a stage where it's uh, it's okay. Um, but the fractures in my foot are still affecting my gait a little bit. So now. I have uh, a problem with my groin and my hip flexors, my hamstring, my calf, uh, and in my back. I keep popping ribs out, and, and um, you know my shoulders no good, my neck's no good. So, I'm, unfortunately, because of the the lockdown here, um, I wasn't able to seek the the treatment I required at the time to properly put myself all back together. I was trying to battle through it without getting everything put back into place, uh, so to speak. I had to wait for the bones to heal properly first, of course, but then I needed some chiropractic work and some other work to, to try and uh, put my body back uh, into into the required shape and, and I wasn't able to do that. So it's led to all these other uh, muscular problems now which I'm, I'm trying to fight and uh, I'll get on top of, but it's, it's just going to take time. Wow, that is wild. That is, uh, I mean, is that, I mean, to me that sounds like a terrible accident of just kind of having a pile up. Is that fairly not common, but I mean, does that, that happen fairly often? Uh, I wouldn't say it happens fairly often. No, but you know, unfortunately in, in any sport accidents happen and yeah. you know, it, it just happens, uh, happened that I was sort of involved in this one, but I've, in my career, I've, I've had 19 falls in races now and you know, I've done, Done a lot of bones, collarbones, wrists, um, cracked my heels, ankles, toes, feet, nose, multiple times, ribs. Um, you know, I've had a lot of fractures and broken bones, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, I, I, I feel okay. I'm going to be fine. With the overall weight on the horse being such a big part uh, and the big focus of the sport, um, do you feel like that has kind of deterred different like safety measures or um, equipment that jockeys could wear to try to protect themselves a little bit more? Yeah, it's a difficult one because helmets are always evolving and um, actually three years ago I was involved in, in trying to design a new helmet because when I pulled the one that we have apart, I sort of wasn't that comfortable with um, the safety level of it. It was basically just... Uh, a foam helmet with a bit of carbon fibre <laughs> at the yeah. front of the center, um, and, and, a, and a shell on it. So to me, it just didn't seem that strong. Um, and, you know, does it protect the, the right parts of the, of, the, of the back of the neck? I think it's in motorbikes. If you come off, the, the neck might puff up just to save you from snapping your neck. They, they, they wear yeah. the collar in Formula One, things like that. But very hard in our industry to, to wear a collar or something like that because we're in the crash over position and, and we need to be looking around so you can't have 
something restricting your neck like that. And we wear a vest, which is a, a body protector. And, you know, once again, can that blow up if you're about to have an impact um, as some protectors do? But then we're wearing the colours over the top. So it's right. hard for that function to be effective. So it's, it's I know, it's, it's just a difficult one. I, you know, obviously the weight does come into it, but how do you design something to to protect us when it's not as if we're sitting in a car and you can build a shell around us? Right. It's a question, I suppose, for someone smarter than me to be able to answer. <laughs> so when is your next race? Uh, Sunday. Okay. And how, leading up to Sunday, tell, give me a little rundown of your schedule and how you prepare. Sure. So uh, generally uh, today on Friday uh, we will have barrier trials uh, and we have track work in the morning. The track opens at 4.45 and closes at 8.45, but I don't go there for the full morning. Um, Here in Hong Kong we have a lot of staff and the riding boys are always available, so they do the slow work on the horses, so the trotting and gantering, and the jockeys just do the final fast pieces of work. So I might... I only have to work two to ten horses uh, every morning. So I ride track work this morning. Then we have barrier trials. And barrier trials are just like races, but they're without the betting and without um, an allocated weight. And they're used for education. So a young horse to go through the gates, for them to open, uh, to jump well, to get in a good position, to get familiar with the other horses. Um, and they have to pass barrier trials before they're allowed to start racing. Um, and then for the older horses, the barrier trial is to maintain their fitness. Maybe they've had some time off and you've got to bring their fitness back up um, or they're not running for four or five weeks and you just want to tick them over and give them a, an easy barrier trial in between. And you generally ask them for about 80 to 90%. Um, so you're not asking them for 100%. So we had the, the, uh, the track work this morning uh, and then the barrier trials and then I went for a run today, so um, even though my foot's not that great, it's a bit sore, I'm sort of just trying to build my fitness back up, so I've got to try and push through the, through the pain a little bit. So I just went, went for a five, 5K run, fairly easy, fairly simple. Um, had a light day today, and then tomorrow I'll ride track work again. I'll get on the bike, might ride 25, 30K on the bike, um, and this will be in um, a sweat jacket. Um, or a sauna suit so that I, I can lose some weight. I'll come home, I'll, I'll uh, put the, uh, the ice boots on my legs to try and freshen them back up uh, if I can, keep them in, in good shape. Uh, and then I'll do some form for uh, the races the next day and then I'll hop in the bath, the hot bath and, and sweat. So maybe I have to lose four, five, six pounds um, depending how my weight is. So I might sit in the bath for sort of two hours, lose a bit, tonight uh tomorrow night um and then sunday morning i, I don't go to the track i, I have a bit of a sleep in i might be able to sleep in until maybe 7 seven thirty. uh have a, a really light breakfast maybe one small piece of fruit a couple of wheat bigs something like that um just something uh, to put in my to put in my belly and then i'll get back in the bath and then get down to the weight that i need to get down to so i might have to, have to lose another two three four pounds whatever it is and then finish doing my form, uh, head off to the races, and uh, hopefully ride a few winners. Wow, that is quite the schedule. But you are also, we were talking earlier, based on your Instagram, you're also a foodie, like a jockey that is a foodie. So when, <laughs> when can you enjoy your good food? Yeah, so for me, uh, 
uh, Monday night and a Thursday night are the, the two nights that I can go out and socialise with the owners or my friends and things like that. And they're, they're generally the nights that I like to uh, reward my body, uh, replenish it with some good food. Uh, Hong Kong is, is a foodie's place. They, they really love their food over here and obviously I've been caught up in that a little bit as well. You know, we're, I think we've got the best chefs in the world actually the, and, and you get spoiled here because it is so good and the service is so good that when you travel other parts of the world, you then realise how good it is here. Um, it's very competitive. You get so many restaurants of all different cuisines from and chefs from around the world. It's, it's a fantastic place. Um, and then as well as that, there's, there's no tax on the, the wine that comes in either. Um, nice. So the owners here, they've got plenty of money to spend and they like to spend it on the best wine and champagne, which is uh, perfect for me as well. But as, as well as... Those other exercises I, I spoke about, I, I um, do my personal training twice a week. Um, I do yoga, Pilates every week, um, physio. Um, I have other, I go on other runs, uh, hikes, swims, play some tennis, play some golf. So uh, I'm fairly active. I, I, I do quite a number of things every week as well as riding. I'm, I'm on a horse every day. I'm, if I'm not riding track work or barrier trials, I'm, I'm at the races as well. So um, I ride track work six days a week. Uh, obviously, have Sunday morning off to ride Sunday. We race Wednesday night uh, and Sunday. Have barrier trials Tuesday and Friday. So if you put everything in, I'm a very active person. So I feel like uh, I need to reward myself with that good food when I can. Totally, I love it. Well, Zach, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Tell us a little bit about your life and um, everything that you have and continue to accomplish. Um, love continuing to watch your journey, and I wish you all the best. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being on, and hopefully, we can go shoulder to shoulder over a, uh, a fence or around oh, a barrel. That'd be so fun. <laughs> All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.